This is Father John Boyle, thanking you for checking in on my homilies podcast. A special thank you to those who have sent donations to my parish. You have really made a difference. If you find these homilies helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you would like to support my parish, you can mail a check payable to Our Lady of Perpetual Help Catholic Church at 1025 North 19th Street, Cottage Grove, Oregon, 97424, or click on the link in this podcast description or go to olphcg.net forward slash donate. Feel free to let me know what you think about the content of this podcast by sending an email to pastor at olphcg.net. Above all, please pray for me and for my parish, and be assured of my prayers for you. As you've probably got tired of me uh, mentioning, this is the third of those uh, manifestations that we uh, celebrated Epiphany, the word which means manifestation, the first being the manifestation of the child Jesus to the Gentiles through the the wise men who came to visit him. The second, the baptism of the Lord, in which the uh, voice from heaven was heard to say, you are my son, uh, in whom I'm well pleased. And then today, the marriage feast of Cana, where our Lord um, uh, changes water into wine, and as St. John says, uh, revealed where he revealed his glory. Tra- there's a tradition that these three events took place on the same uh, date, um, but they're, they're celebrated separately so that we can dwell a little bit on, on each mystery. As an antiphon for the Epiphany Feast says, This day the church is joined to her heavenly spouse, for Christ has cleansed away her crimes in the Jordan. With gifts the Magi hasten to the royal nuptials, and the guests are gladdened with wine uh, made from water. Alleluia. So you can see that there's nuptial imagery um, throughout this, and uh, it's fitting that our Lord's public ministry begins at a wedding. His presence at a wedding and the first sign that he worked, according to the Gospel of St. John, being at a wedding, is a sign of the sacredness of marriage instituted by God. And uh, his presence and that of his mother uh, and of the disciples sanctifies uh, that that institution of marriage and indeed uh, kind of raises it to the level uh, of a sacrament. One could also say that it was the celebration, the beginning of the celebration of his nuptials with the church that would be be consummated um, on on the cross. You know, wedding celebrations in those days would last, uh, would go on for days, as many as seven, maybe two for a poorer family. And our Lord spent three years of his public ministry um, preparing for that uh, um, nuptial nuptials with, with, the, with the church uh, by his death on the cross. There are a few things that one could um, dwell on in this mystery of the manifesta- manifestation at Cana. The first that occurred to me to, to stress was God's superabundant, exuberant, lavish love for us. We hear in that prophecy from the book of Isaiah today of God speaking to to Jerusalem, to Zion. You shall be called, if I get the right page here, slipped a sheet. You shall be called my delight. And your land espoused. That's a name. You shall be called my delight. Just consider that as a name. And consider the Lord calling each one of us individually and as a church, my delight, each one of you. God calls you 
my delight. God wishes to be espoused to you. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. Again, nuptial imagery. He wishes to be espoused to, to us whom he has created. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Just bear that in mind. If ever you have any doubt about whether you deserve to be loved, just remember that God calls you my delight. There's a, there's a desire on God's part to be espoused to you if you willingly consent. Marriage is based on consent. So you, I, have to consent to that being espoused with, with our Lord. Thinking of that young man, the joy of the young man marrying a virgin, I had the joy last Monday of celebrating a betrothal. I hadn't done that before. And uh, there are some young people who come from Corvallis to the, uh, to the Latin Mass on Monday evening. They like tradition, as so many young people do. And uh, it's clear when they started coming that Chris and Maris were kind of quite close to one another. And uh, just before Christmas, they announced uh, their engagement. They're still students there uh, in Corvallis. And, uh, and just last week, they... they they asked if I would uh, celebrate the rite of betrothal, uh, which of course I did. It was so wonderful to see this young couple wanting a blessing at this most important part of their lives when they enter, in, enter into an engagement. Uh, and uh, they want God's blessing upon this time, so they live it in a, in, with respect to one another, chastely, and preparing for that great day when they'll be united. Uh, and become one flesh in the sacrament of marriage. There's the joy of, of God wanting to be espoused with his people as well. We can think, thinking of this lavishness of our Lord of the, the, and of God, just think of the quality of the wine that was, was made at that uh, occasion. The best, the steward was surprised at the quality of it because normally the best wine is served first and the poorer wine after. But the, anything that the Lord does is obviously of the best. And then the, then the sheer quantity. don't know whether you've ever actually tried to calculate you know, how many bottles of wine that might have been. If you think of six stone water jars, each capable of holding 20 to 30 gallons, and of course you can decide whether to use US gallons or imperial gallons. Imperial gallons are bigger than US gallons, so you get more. It could be a thousand bottles. Over, it could be over a thousand bottles. And we don't know when this crisis of the wine occurred. Was it at the beginning of the wedding ceremony, or was it six days in? You know, we don't know, do we? But there was plenty there, not just for the guests, but for the, the couple themselves to enjoy throughout their marriage life recalling how Christ sanctified uh, their, their wedding day. Our Lord doesn't do things by halves, and neither should we. The wise men presented valuable gifts to the child, to the babe in Bethlehem, and they traveled a long distance bearing those gifts. 
Our Lord himself humbles himself by entering to the waters of baptism, not so that he should be cleansed, but so that they should cleanse us. But he consents to be like us in all things, except sin. And ultimately, of course, that will lead to the complete emptying himself of his death on the cross. Nothing spared. Our Lord spares nothing. Total giving, total sacrifice. And the servants today in today's gospel, they filled. The, they didn't just put some, put some water into those water jars, they filled them to the brim. And their, that 100% was well paid, well repaid by the manufacturing of that beautiful wine by our Lord's miracle. So let us not be half-hearted in our self-giving to our Lord. Let's give ourselves 100% and even more if it were possible to our life of prayer, to service of our neighbor, to growing in virtue and eradicating vice and bad habits in our life, really putting God first in everything, almsgiving to the poor or to the church. In a celebration of our liturgy, there should be nothing spared in making it beautiful and of the best that we can offer. God is so lavish with us, how can we not be lavish with him in return? Especially when we remember that what we offer him is only what he has given us in the first place. We are simply returning to him what is rightfully his. Let us have no doubts about God's amazing love for us. He desires to marry us and to rejoice in us as a husband rejoices in his bride. And that's how each one of you who are husbands and wives should rejoice in one another. And that's how each one of us who are all in the church brides of of Christ should rejoice in our union with him. If I may say so, that's how I rejoice in you. I'm your bridegroom. You're my bride. I rejoice in you. You are my delight. Now in any marriage, the relationship has its ups and downs. But I still delight in you. And I know that with Mary and our Lord and the church present, sometimes whatever becomes a little bit ordinary or tedious will be transformed into beautiful wine. If each one of us, in our respective roles as bridegroom and bride, really puts ourselves into this 100%, a total union of bridegroom with bride. Of course, our Lord celebrates this most lavishly in the Eucharist, where he gives us himself, not just once on the cross, but throughout time. This sacrifice, that self-giving of our Lord in the cross, is made present every time we offer the Mass. The second thing is to think about who this woman, about this woman that our Lord speaks about in the Gospel, calling his mother woman. Sometimes there are those who will criticize Catholics for as they say, honoring Our Lady too much. Well, Mary was Jesus' greatest love. None of us can love her as much as he loved and loves his mother. And when he called his mother woman, this was in no way a disparaging remark, but rather it was an elevation. One could say it was a promotion. Remember how Simon was renamed Peter to give him a new vocation. So Mary is renamed woman to now reveal to her what her vocation is. Adam called his wife Eve the woman. And this wife Eve, this woman, was the mother of all the living. 
Now Mary is the new woman, the mother of all those, the, the bride of the new Adam, who is Jesus Christ, the mother of all those reborn in baptism. So in a sense now, Mary has a new title. Yes, she is Jesus' mother, but she is also his bride, and he is her bridegroom. We have the new, new Adam and the new Eve, the bridegroom and the bride, and they are united now in this walk from here on in to the cross. When our Lord will use that term woman again, as he lies, as he's bleeding to death on the cross, and he says to John, woman, to Mary, woman, behold your son, and to Saint John's son, behold your mother. You see, to our Lord now, Mary is woman, but to John, he is mother. There's a new relationship here. She is our mother. At this wedding feast, we had all three present, Jesus, Mary, and the disciples. But you know, St. John mentions at the beginning of this uh, excerpt from the Gospel, there was a wedding feast at Cana, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. That's the first thing he says. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. Make sure Mary is in your life. Because then he goes, he goes on to say, oh, and by the way, Jesus and his disciples were also invited. See, where Mary is, Jesus and his disciples will be. Among those disciples, of course, was that same St. John who was at the foot of the cross and faithful. There was probably Judas as well who would betray him. Maybe there were others at that wedding feast who would be among those who would betray our Lord and cry out for his crucifixion, even though it was to them that that same Jesus Christ had revealed his glory at this wedding feast of Cana, that glory being concealed, of course, on the cross. Let us think finally about Mary herself and her role in our lives. It was she who noticed the plight of the young couple, the embarrassment of the bridegroom's family that might have ensued, for it would have been the bridegroom that was responsible for supplying the wine. Mary notices all our needs. It is the will of her divine son that she intercede for us. You know, as the couple and the steward had no idea that a problem was looming, neither are we always uh, best placed to know our needs. Or we ask for the wrong things. Or we try to solve, resolve things on our own, in our own way, without turning to Christ, without turning to Mary, without turning to the church. We think, I'm okay, I can do this. But Mary sees our real needs and she's reminding us, go to my son. Listen to my son. Do whatever he tells you. Follow his plan, not yours. For those who are married, follow his plan of marriage. Respect it in the way that our Lord instituted it. And use it in accordance with his plan and society as well. Follow the commandments. Follow the traditions of the church. Follow the advice you get in spiritual direction or confession. And don't neglect to use those means. I mean, not to use those means is to say, well, I can do it myself and to not avail of this rich, lavish, um, plenty of means of salvation that the Lord has given us in each one of those sacraments. To set one aside is to say, I can do it myself. Mary is telling us, listen to Jesus. What you hear in your conscience, what you hear in prayer, listen to that. And families, you know, what should be, who should be at your as it were, ongoing celebration of marriage throughout your life. Well, as St. John tells us, the mother of Jesus. 
Let's make sure the Mother of Jesus is very much present in our homes, through our devotional life, through maybe a shrine uh, set up in our homes to Our Lady. And with her to make sure that Jesus is there, of course he will be, and the church too. Come to the church whenever there is a need. Don't think you are on your own. The church is with you in the disciples. The church here, of the community of the people of God, but as the Second Vatican Council said, describe the family as the domestic church, the church at home. Always these three, the mother of Jesus, Mary, Jesus himself, and the church. If those three are always present in the life of all our families, then truly they will also be like the wine that our Lord produced at Cana. They also will be of the best.